Welcome to The New Next, a podcast that addresses current events and how they will impact the future. Co-hosted by the inquisitive public speaking champion, Mike McVeigh, and energy economics and technology expert, Matt Jensen. Join us as we explore all things energy, economic, tech, and political, and how they will affect our future. Podcasts typically grow by word of mouth. If you know anyone who would enjoy this content, sharing this in a message or by posting on social media would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. All right. So one of the things that has been going on kind of crazy lately is that the mineral commodities have kind of been on a wild ride lately. And we've discussed before about nickel prices. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit more about that for us, Matt. Yeah. So about a month ago, we had a pretty amazing action in nickel and uh, like like with a lot of the green energy minerals, there's a lot, lot of capacity coming online, but it's still not enough to basically make up for the demand for basically building um, all these new batteries and new electric vehicles. So um, one of the, I, I think the world's biggest nickel refiner um, and one of the biggest miners is a company out of China. The founder of that, uh, decided to put a massive short on nickel because they uh, they um, thought with a lot of these mines coming on at the end of this year, it was an opportunity to bas- basically make a quick buck. Uh, it ended up turning on them real quick. And um, whether or not... So maybe a comparison is... Um, with those meme stocks last year, uh, like GameStop, there were. Yeah, that's of, exactly what I was thinking was GameStop. Yeah, there were kind of hedge funds on both sides. So um, Melvin Capital was a company that was very short GameStop, and a bunch of people just w- went in um, on the long side and crushed their shorts and basically bankrupt them, essentially. Um, th- this was kind of. I don't know if it's a similar situation, but sometimes when uh, people are fully exposed like this, certain people see blood in the water and they go after it. Um, But uh, a lot of hedge funds were on the other side. Um, One of the biggest ones was Elliott Management by uh, run by James Simons, who's one of the most successful investors ever. Um, But uh, so Essentially, a strategically important Chinese company in the commodity space got caught on the short and essentially would have lost billions of dollars. So nickel's uh, price spiked 250% in 24 hours. So you would say very irrational uh, spiking. And the exchange suspended training or trading long enough so that um, this Chinese uh, commodity tycoon and his company could essentially get out of the trade 
So I think where this is interesting and where you have a lot of legal action on this now is the London Metals Exchange, where this trading has occurred, is now owned by, I think, the Hang Seng, which is a Chinese um, uh, Chinese financial market. And uh, also, you know, key in with the government there. So it's kind of like this nefarious little business um, where it it looked from the outside like it was clearly ba bailing out a company that um, at the expense of other people that had essentially made a good trade. And uh, yeah, so now you get to this point where like Elliot, which I talked about earlier, is suing uh, the LME for $456 million, essentially what they felt that they lost in terms of profits on this. Um, and there's a bunch of, bunch of factors in this, you know, uh, Russia is the biggest uh, nickel exporter, I believe. And this is back in March, I think. So early March, it's been, it's been a while. So we're getting a little, um, late to the party, but the legal action on it is kind of occurring now. Um, so, you know, essentially it's, I mean, this is, this is kind of what I love about financial markets. It's, um, it's nerd drama, I guess, um, with, with some of those price actions. And then you get the different characters on different sides where, um, people stake their careers on stuff like this. And sometimes people get bitten, but they're essentially trading other people's money. And then you've got this whole back background where there's like for-profit companies that are running th these exchanges. And uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like um, the Kardashians, but for f financial markets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't watch Kardashians either, so I guess I'm well. I don't either. On both both uh, markets, both the Kardashian market and the nickel market. Uh, but if you if you're ever interested in um, how markets kind of work, mm -hmm. I I think this is like a good thing to go on a rabbit hole down, okay. and then also watch it trickle out over time because you have kind of these irrational moves in the market based off of big positions and also geopolitical events. And then you have basically a, uh, a market maker, like a market function within it, the market structure that kind of right. gets in the way. So, um, you know, Elliot's pretty convinced that the, mar the, uh, the exchange acted, you know, wouldn't say fraudulently, um, but it's, it's been a huge, there's been a lot of criticism on this move by a lot of important players in finance. And it clearly looked like they were, in, in my opinion, trying to help them out. So, so but. how much, um, some of our notes and stuff, uh, how much does, Hong Kong exchange owning the LME, the London metal exchange. How much does that play a part into all this? Well, it's, you don't really know. So, and I think that's part of the stuff that would come out of discovery for, um, 
the legal cases is because once you go through that discovery process and you can, you know, get access to emails and stuff like that to figure out what, whether or not there was coordination in there. Uh, I think people are always wary about Chinese influence, the uh, government of China and the key players, their influence on how things function in there. And that being a, uh, owned essentially by, you know, a close strategically important Chinese company. Um, I think a lot of people don't really understand it. So they're kind of saying, well, you know, this is a clear case of that and whether or not that's a, a strategic position that they're taking for potential legal repercussions. There's also uh, been financiers that weren't actually involved in this trade that have come out and um, said questions about that too. Okay. So I think historically the U S has been pretty fair on the market mechanisms. Um, usually if they bail out, one person will bail out, bail out a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of uh, people with AIG were questioning why that didn't get bailed out and other companies got bailed out back in the right. financial crisis. But um, it's, I think it's just an interesting, you know, like I said, kind of like nerdy insight to finance and getting a real understanding of about how much the legal aspects go into this too. So right. um, some of these financiers are known to sue each other too for very little gain for a long time. So um, it's just out of principle. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, but it's, it, it's interesting and, you know, it would have brought, brought down um, the biggest nickel, company in the world. So, um, that would have been pretty wild to see the repercussions of that trickle up, trickle down to the, uh, ancillary economies too. That's, that's all crazy. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how petty we are as humans about things that kind of matter, but don't really matter. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that, that, that nickel commodities don't matter and everything, but it, it just, as you said, you know, for little gain, um, it kind of makes me think of the Apple and Android lawsuits over the years where I think overall they both have equaled out about the same amount of money to each other over yeah. hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits. Uh, so how does this affect like the broader community? that community commodity prices, um, especially now that we've kind of had more of a economic slowdown. Well, I, so there's, I don't know if this necessarily affects that. I think it's just kind of a, a good example of how crazy markets can get. Um, but, um, there's the hunt brothers who are famous. They try to corner the silver market, I think in the seventies or eighties or something. That's also an interesting story too. But I, I really think we're kind of, um, you talk about um, how markets are affected by commodities. Uh, I've, I really think that we're kind of a, at a transition point for the global economy. And it's just kind of interesting to see um, 
where we go from here, essentially. So you have a lot of the uh, Western countries that are traditionally your sources of economic power um, and uh, kind of, I guess, securitized co companies. Um, right. They're transitioning from growing populations to declining pop populations in terms of incremental uh, bursts. And you have some of these deflationary effects too, which with, uh, you know, baby boomers and stuff are retiring and they're going to be spending those assets. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next 10 or so years. Like we've, we've right. talked a little bit about how, you know, like I think there's going to be a lot of rude awakenings too. Um, and basically the world order is readjusting itself. So what does that mean for stuff? Um, I, I think in, you know, we've really been a, driven by a lot of technology and growth like that. Um, in last 15 years, I think commodities based on the fact that they're not necessarily um, smooth markets where you have quick response for stuff. Um, right. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next decade. If you would like to learn more about the new next podcast, find us at the new where you can suggest a topic you would like for us to cover. If you enjoyed what you heard, share the podcast, tell a friend about it or rate us with five stars. 